0: good afternoon and welcome to the pirates fan forum here on dk pittsburgh sports podcasting network i'm your host gary morgan with me as always is my good friend jim how you doing jim how's it going gary Good, man. And uh, it's it's always refreshing when we get to bring somebody new on the show. Every time we get to introduce the, the fans to another fan, I love it. So this week we've got a good one on. we got Douglas Ford on the show, and I'll probably call him Doug as we keep going, but let's be formal up front here. Doug, say hi to everybody. Hey, uh, guys, it's great to be
1: with you. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm a lifelong Pirates fan. 57 years old, I still remember the, the good times, um, I'm, and I can't let it go. So I, I keep hoping it's coming back. So hopefully uh, we can discuss some of that, and, and hopefully it is coming back.
0: And Jim and I will try real hard to tramp down our uh, our jealousy over having watched winning baseball. And <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I think uh, the first thing we have to touch on, I mean, is there anything to talk about, guys? Let's be blunt. Is there anything to talk about? <laughs> Nah, I mean, some stuff this on. week. Yeah, I mean, happy, <laughs> you know, Thanks
1: the for stopping them. Yeah, yeah,
0: so. <laughs> so I mean the first thing we have to touch on, uh Jacob Stallings. It was by far the most emotional topic this week, period. There was just absolutely nothing that felt good about it. And you know, even if you even if you liked the return, it it hurt. So I guess Jim, I'll start with you. Where did you come down on the on the Jacob Stallings thing? And I have to start with you because you've been the one repressing your feelings and and thoughts on this subject, waiting for this show. I couldn't even get you to squeak anything out to me the other day when we were talking.
2: No, you know, I was still mulling it over. Um, that's one advantage of no longer doing any writing is that I just kind of get to sit on it and think about it and let it marinate and um, wait. For I was the, not re- so
0: fortunate. Yeah, I
2: know. I know. And neither were some other people. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where it, it it at first seemed like just a real mystery to me, trying to, you know, really f- figure out why and you know I would the thing I kept coming back to is you know what would the motivation be for Sherrington and the Pirates and it wasn't money Uh, you know that wasn't the issue I know I know some people want to go there it's not that it's not the player they probably love Jacob Stallings I mean everybody seems to it wasn't his abilities. It wasn't that. So what motivates them? Well, you know, we've been talking so long on these podcasts, Gary, about the pitching. Yep. And they need more arms. They can't just sit around and wait for arms. So they had, they're trying to, man, to me, they're trying to manufacture some of that with the few pieces they have left and trying to get that a little bit more up to snuff. And that's where I think it comes down is it was in a perfect world. They probably would have loved to have kept Jacob Stallings. At The end of the day, they still need some arms. They can't sit and wait around any longer. That's what I think it comes down to. Everybody tends to overcomplicate it. That's where I was at with it.
0: Right. They did get two arms back. They got Kyle Nicholas. You know, he's a prospect, prospect, legit. I mean, he has work to do. He has two pitches. One of them's pretty electric. Problem is, he he can't hit where he wants to hit. I mean, he's got really awful control and he needs to work on a third pitch. And, you know, most people are saying he's profiling as as a bullpen arm, which isn't the worst thing in the world. The world needs those as well. But. Zach Thompson is really the guy this year that, that's going to get added to the rotation and everything. So, Doug, I guess my argument really is everything Jim said is true. They need pitching. But we as Pirate fans often, we pretend that that's the only way they could get it is to go out and trade for these guys, a 28-year-old guy that just decided to bloom last year. Why not just go out and buy a guy, right? Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've sort of gone through the five stages of grief, you know, with this, with this trade. When I first saw it, I was just heartbroken. I, I've seen uh, Stallings sort of a, as a Mike Mathilde, you know, I, like, all right, he's going to, he's our good pitcher for, for a year or two, then he, he, you know, uh, Henry Davis comes up, say, in June of 23, and he sort of, you know, split stats with him for a couple months or so, and then, you know. It, the role sort of changed, and, and Henry Davis is starter, but Stallings is this good, solid backup. And, uh, you know, he's helping developing pitchers. He's going to help develop Henry Davis, that sort of thing. And then he, you know, joins the coaching staff. I mean, that, 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 was, that was sort of how I viewed him. But the more I think about it, what's our biggest complaint with the Pirates coaching staff is nobody gets better. Um, you know, our pitchers got better last year. Was Jacob Stallings really helping – I mean, I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying but nobody took a step forward. It might be Oscar Mayer's fault. It might be the individual pitcher's fault. But clearly, Jacob Stein didn't, you know, have it, Mitch Keller take a leap forward, so to speak. Um, Perez, actually, he's got a whole bunch of young pitchers that he can say he helped develop there in Cleveland. A lot of those guys have turned out pretty good. Um, That's a great
0: point. Yeah.
1: And then a lot of the, uh, I I mean, Thompson, if he was on the fire slasher, he's our ace I mean, I realize that you know you, everything you look at about him. He doesn't look like he's all that great, but three point two four ERA. Everybody on the team had a five eight eight. No, no. And the thing years.
0: is, the thing is, is FIP is is almost the same, which means he yeah, didn't I mean, luck into those numbers. No, right, it's, that's it's not wrong
1: for aberration. It, it, I mean, that's what he was. He was a three point two four ERA pitcher, and man, we could use that. Uh, I. Is it sustainable? Was it first time around the league? That sort of thing. I don't know. But, I mean, again, he, he last year he would have been far away
0: our best pitcher. You know? I mean, and, I Doug, first, it's refreshing as hell to hear somebody your age embrace some of these advanced stats. Right. It's super, yeah, it's awesome. I was sitting there. Kind yeah. of and threw me yeah. off a little. I, I, right. And I also think uh, a lot of people – you know, especially the older generation, me and me included, I'm borderline on this, and I'm pretty sure Jib is too. Look at that win loss at three and seven, and they go, oh, he stinks. <laughs> right?
1: I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, come on. We, we could have a guy, with an ERA, we could have, you know, DeGrom, and he might be three and seven. On, you know, we don't score runs. You know? That's true. That's, that's true. If we don't score runs. So, no, no, I, yeah, I embrace the analytics. Um, to me it's not either or it, which of course the analytics tell a lot of interesting stuff. Now, does he do it in a game situation? Does he do it in a high pressure situation? These are other things that factor in. But to me it's another tool, and I laugh at the guys that that you know sort of mock, oh analytics suck. Six 250 pounds, that's an analytic, right? <laughs> so, I mean, there's all these different things. Uh, you know, these, analytics in, in baseball in particular, but in you know in sports as a whole. You know, in football, we're measuring a quarterback's hand size. You know what I'm saying? But oh, I don't like advanced analytics. I mean, come on! Look, these numbers are there. Trends, you know, pitching into the ship, all that sort of stuff. I love that. That makes sense to me. If you know, well,
0: Jim. I I, Go ahead. Jim. I just learned something. I realize I didn't realize I was supposed to be six four to weigh two fifty. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit taken aback by that. But you, you still uh, got time, Gary. But let's talk about a, another angle on Jacob Stallings because you know he, Doug touched on it a little bit. The the pitching uh, and helping the pitchers is something that a lot of people have attributed to Jake, and and I think it's it's been a fair assessment that that he's made some people a little more comfortable. But I I personally uh, I wrote the other day you have to reach all the way back to twenty nineteen to really see that twenty nineteen is when he was supposed to be a backup catcher and a lot of the starters were openly pining for him to be their 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 personal catcher as opposed to you know throwing to the starter and i i guess i didn't see as much of that in 2020 and, and 2021 but i kind of let it carry with with it without seeing results um the biggest hit i think we're gonna take from jacob stallings is losing his bat because i don't care whether you believe in analytics or not um that dude was clutch yeah what do you think, Jim? I,
2: let me just touch on too. Like, I I think you made a. It's an interesting point about the narrative of whether he was, um, you know, helping the the pitching staff as much as kind of it was made out to be. Um, and sometimes it's very hard to measure that, right? I mean, so of course, yeah. Um, there are some things you can point to that um, might indicate it, but we might've gotten a little carried away with that. And, you know, that's not all his fault either because sometimes it comes down to his, you know, talent tends to, to, to speak the most in volume about how things are going to go.
0: And, um, I mean, my he, mom's going to get this probably more than anybody else, but you can't turn a Hydrox into an Oreo. I mean,
1: like <laughs> it's know. not going to be as good a cookie. I'm sorry. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, it's
2: funny. I you see, you're you're so much more eloquent than I am because the saying I always heard was, uh, "You can't per, pour syrup on crap and call it pancakes." So uh, you know that's the one that I, I I remember from back in the day. But yeah, so um, they'll miss his bat, um, but they got a guy that if he can stay healthy, maybe maybe he can. Um, um, Replace some of the 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 help that he was providing with uh, the pitching staff, and um, I just think it goes back to Sherrington's just not comfortable with the state of the organization right now with the pitching. Nor should he be. We're a couple big arm injuries away from a rebuild being in real jeopardy, and you know what? Yeah, uh,
0: that's, that's those, a great. That's a great point right there. And I, and I think now's a good time to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Jacob Stallings and dive into a little bit more of the ramifications of that deal. All right, and we are back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. And uh, Doug and Jim and I were just discussing um, really kind of our feelings on Jacob Stallings leaving. And I got to say, the Pirates didn't make us wait too long to to make it feel a little better by bringing in uh, Roberto Perez to uh, replace him as the, I assume, the starting catcher. I mean... <laughs> Uh, although I would assume Cleveland thought he would be a starting catcher too, it just didn't work out that way. So uh, he Let's comes not in as a about Jake Taylor, but Jake Taylor's still out there. But yeah, Jake Taylor's out there, but his knees, man, they're bomb. <laughs> so they they got Roberto Perez, a two time Gold Glove winner, and the two times he won were the two times that Cleveland actually let him play a decent amount in a season. So uh, when he plays, he plays well, at least defensively problem is he hasn't been able to stay on the field and he had one monster season that just makes everything else seem so out of whack 2019 this dude had an insane season i mean insane his batting average wasn't great it's in the 230s so be it but he hit 24 home runs and 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 won the gold glove i mean that was a that was a great season yep uh, The problem is a lot of people will cherry-pick that and think that's what they're going to get this year, and I just don't. So, I mean, Doug, Roberto Perez, does he make it feel any better for you? Because really, when you package him into this deal, what Charrington did really is downgrade the catching position a little bit, bring in one pitcher that is a lock to be in this rotation this year, one that is a decent prospect, and another pretty good outfield prospect.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the press signing does sort of ease the sting a little, but I mean, again, if he hits 150, you know, I mean, your defense can't make up that much. I mean, dear lord, it's like we. I'm I'm sort of distressed that we've had Stephen Balco because he's our fifth best hitter on the team. <laughs> you know, we. we,
0: we I didn't even bats. think about the we lost there. You're right.
1: <laughs> you know, so I said like, most of the time he pitched, I thought he should have been batting fifth. Um, So, you know, unless – I mean, again, we're counting on guys like Cruz and Brian Hayes stepping forward, and and that's great. But, man, it's going to be hard if if he – you know, if he hits 230 and gives us 10 home runs and and plays that defense, fine. You know, I'm good with it. But, man, another – you know, especially if if Michael Perez is the backup, I mean – and we're probably going to have a DH – that's another position we have to fill with a you know a sub. Right? based on our lineup, another sub 200 hitter. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, Jacob stalling if he's batting ninth or or tenth now, you know you're living. It, it, it's fantastic. He's the best for, for us a lot of the time. That, that's just crazy. If I mean, not cleanup. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and again, he's a clutch guy. You know, he, he's a decent player, but.
0: You know that's not that's not where he
1: should be in the lineup. Um, you know. And, and so
0: Jim, we're going to roll off Cole Tucker's and go ahead. Oh, Cole Tucker is you loved Cole Tucker. Don't even pretend you don't. Now, Jim, <laughs> Roberto Perez. Love
1: that hair. Yeah, Roberto. <laughs> the guy,
0: the guy, he has a really dark injury history. I'm worried about him staying healthy. If they go into the season with him and Michael Perez as the catching tandem. Or I guess they have this Richie guy, too, that they signed to a minor league deal. They did. You're, you're talking about a really, really non-offensive catching unit, right? I mean, you don't have anybody that's going to hit <laughs> in that unit, I don't think. Are, do, are we looking at them potentially going out and getting another guy? Or do you think the $5 million investment kind of makes sure that's not going to happen?
2: I'm not so sure they're going to do anything else. One, you got to have some availability of some guys to pick from. And I think if you look around baseball, it was a thinner class of free agents and there wasn't much available. So, um, you know, that's why Stallings probably did get a little bit of interest from teams aside from the fact that he is a very, very good, defensive catcher Uh, I don't want to undersell the guy too much simply because look pirate fans should realize how hard it was for Jacob Stallings to win one gold glove and we never quite felt that was a lock until about three quarters of the way through this season that guy won two I mean yeah I, I want people to understand how good of a defensive catcher he is so um you know I think one of the interesting questions is, is do, are we, are we as fans, do we overvalue things like leadership and players helping other players develop when it really comes down to is, yeah, those are nice things and teams will take it. But if there's other things that need accomplished, that's not going to stop anybody from getting moved. I mean, do we, do we overvalue that? I think maybe we do.
0: I, I think you're probably right, but I I think uh, I think I think Roberto Perez is a decent replacement at least from the glove perspective. I'm okay. De- definitely. I am a little worried about um his injury history though. I th- I think there's a, there's a good chance that we're going to wind up with Michael Perez playing about 110 games this year. And it's and a big I, I got to be honest, I don't know I could do. I don't know if I can deal with it. <laughs> it's a big
2: risk. I mean, they are really, just from a positional availability, it's not going to kill them, you know. I mean, well, I think we know what they're going to be, wins and losses. It's not going to kill them in that regard. But just from a day-in and day-out perspective, if they have to deal with him being hurt for half the season or something like that, yeah, it's going to be rough. I mean, you better get used to – a lot of 789 again in that order where there's just no chance of anything good happening at the plate
0: I mean so let's talk let's talk about what this trade has done to the rotation along with some other moves they've made because I think I think the rotation probably got a little better I really do I, Zach Thompson for for what it's worth I think showed some some potential last year 28 years old. Late bloomer. Um, I'm not sold on him being a future piece or anything, but I do think he can come in here and play pretty well for us. Um, they got rid of Stephen Brault. They got rid of Chad Cool. Um, I was a little surprised about Stephen Brault. Chad Cool, um, really, Jim, kind of went exactly as we thought it would. He didn't want to be in the bullpen. Ben Charrington wanted him in the bullpen. I mean, he directly said it in his press conference yesterday. That was why. Chad wanted to start. We wanted to give him an opportunity to go start because it wasn't going to be here. So that rotation right now, you're looking at like Quintana and Thompson, which, you know, hey, one's a question mark. Maybe he comes back and does something good. Maybe he doesn't. Worst case scenario, he's Trevor Cahill from the left side. Um, Zach Thompson what Mitch Keller, right? Brew yep. probably
1: Bryce, Bryce Wilson. Yep. Bryce Wilson.
0: Yeah. There's your five, right? That's think, all right. That sounds better than last year already.
2: I think off the top of your head, yeah. I mean, that's where you would start with things. Then you've got other guys like um, you still got Dylan Peters that I'm sure that probably could get a look. Um, who else Will am Crow. I missing, man?
0: Yeah, uh, Will Crow. Hurray. Yeah. Yeah, Yahurray, Contreras. You know yeah, they, right, right. they got some they got some options. But like you were saying though, and Doug, this is true. When when you get into the depths, I think the reason that we continue to see them try to pile arms into this system is because if you're gonna build entirely through the draft in your own system, you better have a good fifteen twenty arms you really think could come up here and impact something because chances are Five of them gonna get hurt. Five of them are gonna stink out loud, and five of them just might make it. It's so it's actually my
1: favorite thing. Oh, I'm sorry. My favorite no, thing about ahead. Ben Charrington. My my favorite thing about Charrington is I think, and he would never admit this, but he's he didn't he know anything. No general managers do. or You wouldn't need free agency, right? You get sixty rounds of the draft. You should be able to get nine guys out of that. So. He's, messed so know, now he's got you know 20 middle infielders and 15 outfielders, and you know Matt, like I said, we've got 10, 11 pitchers. You're right. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be just guys that can't do it. Um, you know, just don't take to the coaching, whatever. And you just, you just need bodies. And you know, we, we might think it's going to be O'Neill Cruz, but it might be Cole Tucker. You, you, you don't know at this point. You know, we're all excited about Lorenzo R- R- Contreras and. It might be Zach, Zach Thompson the one that takes a big step forward. There, there's there's no predicting. We we you know we love to say oh this guy's got a future value of seventy and you know, he's on this track. <laughs> you know I, I, I you know you guys remember Chad Hermanson I'm sure. Uh do. You know yeah Water. Yep. You know, right? Two years of Triple with Cody home runs. We didn't rush him. We didn't do. He couldn't break 200. Couldn't hit a curveball. Um, so uh, you know for I'll team, tell you team, what though.
0: Chad Hermanson, something they did to him, um, as soon as they brought him up to the majors, the hitting coach in in the majors decided to change his swing. Like, day one. Yeah. And he never got right again. He could never get it out of his head what what they had done to him, and it destroyed his career. What a shame, and
1: honestly. It is, it is a shame because, I mean, we can't afford to screw up like that, right? <laughs> I mean, the Yankees can make that mistake because they can solve it by the trade deadline. Not us. We have to develop. We have to cultivate our players, And, you know, development has been such a huge issue the past decade, at least, if not, you know, further back. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, again, you get nervous. It's like... Oscar Marion we're all excited about him when we hired him, but I ain't seen anything yet. Um, <laughs> and now we got. That's anything. a great point, out. though. Of, you know, it, as it, much and as it's ready, a show yeah.
0: me year for, as much as it's a show me year for Mitch Keller, it's a show me year for Oscar Marion too. And and I think but, that I think as, as he continues to give him more options for that rotation and and the bullpen, I think you start to see. Um, a little bit less of a wall for him to hide behind because he's got more talent to work with than he has in the past. Um, I'm also hoping like coming off of a non COVID year, I know we we're still dealing with it, but the, the guys threw innings last year. So I'm, I'm hoping that, right. that pitching kind of starts to come back to the mean a little bit because man, that drove me nuts last year. It's hard to evaluate people. How can you evaluate really what, what JT Brubaker did last year, Jim, because you you watch him pitch, and he does really well at the beginning of the year. Middle of the year, he starts, like, elevating his off-speed stuff a little bit, and he's given up some gopher balls. End of the year, dead arm. Absolute dead arm. And before you want to go and, like, mm-hmm. call him names and act like he should have manned up, Max Scherzer got the same problem last year, and he just got paid $43 million a year. So, I mean, like, and I'm not comparing the two as far as skill sets and whatnot, but... How do you know what JT Brubaker is? I feel like a lot of fans are assuming they know what he is from last year. But I don't know if we've seen really what he could be yet.
2: No, it was kind of funny to... You almost felt bad for Baker at times last year. They just kept running him out there and letting him take his lumps in games. Man, like, y- you know, you got to the point where even I, which sometimes, you know, I feel like, hey, you got to let guys stay out there and work through some things and right. whatnot. But it became, became pretty repetitive there for a while with him with the home runs and um, them letting him, uh, they were still trying to get three, four, five innings out of him. And um, I don't know that that was the best way to do it. Um, you're right. He uh, I, t- to me it was dead arm. His velocity wasn't really affected, but there's a, there's other ways to have dead arm if yeah. uh, your pitches well, he wasn't aren't moving. snapping
0: off the pitches right, and and therefore yeah. they're finishing high. And yeah, he was getting he was getting taken deep on his off speed stuff, and and that's. That's dead arm. I'm sorry. That's what it is. uh, Yeah. A lot of people just
2: think that that's just flat out velocity, but, and and most of the times it does come with that, but um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's a prove it year for him. I think they've look, maybe they're just to the point where they know right now, they don't have a lot of standout guys. So they're going to add as many guys into the mix as possible and see how many uh, stand out during spring training and go from there. And who knows? Maybe, yeah. maybe we see a 10-man starting rotation by the
0: time it's all, all <laughs> said and done. Yeah, or, or maybe we see some guys finally mature. You know, Bryce, will if you think about it, they've got a collection of pitchers in this rotation right now. you got Quintana, who he's been injured. He had success a while ago. And here's his chance to prove it again, right? Got to imagine he's got about a short of leash as Trevor Cahill did last year. So we'll see what happens with that. You got um, Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller's got to figure it out this year. If Mitch Keller doesn't figure it out this year, it's time to be done. He's either a bullpen guy or he's done. That's really all there is to it. You've got JT Brubaker, late bloomer, Injured on the way up, twenty in his late 20s, right? So yep. he's got to step up and do his thing. Or, yeah, bullpen probably for him too. You start talking about all the other guys like that, it, it's going to be a transformative year, I think, because Rowanzi's not going to wait down there in, in A for long before he starts pushing his way into the conversation. So you got to figure everybody has a little bit of an edge because unlike last year, there's somebody pushing this time.
2: Yeah, there's some um, legitimate competition for some starting innings. And, um, you know, if you can get two or three guys to take advantage of it, then you're in a better position than you were last year. Um, So I think that that's going to be the emphasis is is they, they love to talk about competition, but I don't know that there was a ton of it, simply because there wasn't really a lot of options. Well, I think you're exactly. going to see that. I think you're going to see that start to change this spring training, if we have a spring training, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Another <Yeah>. segue.
0: <laughs> see how I do? See do that? We have to talk about you know the impending the impending doom of the lockout. Uh, I know so many people are, are frightened of it, but. Real quick before we go into another break here, I would like to just say one of the quotes that Charrington caught me with yesterday that kind of surprised me was that he would still like to add to the rotation before spring training. I honestly thought he was going to say, you know, we we, will try. We'll see what we can find. But for him to just straight up say that he wants to add to the rotation before spring training – that's encouraging. That means he's not sitting here resting on even those five I just said, which means, yeah, Mitch Keller—it's a prove-it year, but he might have to prove it in spring. You know, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see how they approach this this offseason. I, I don't think the record's going to be good, but I do like that um, they seem to be being a little more aggressive with getting some help in here for that. Particular situation.
2: It would be great to know what that meant. I don't think he would have answered the follow up anyway, like, hey, what are we talking about? It's definitely Kershaw. It's Kershaw all day. Of of (laughs) course. (laughs) Yeah, it would have been nice to (laughs) know that.
1: Yeah, he's good with that. But, anyways, I
0: would like to add some starting vision. Who wouldn't? He is, oh man, he is a word salad. He really is. That. That guy will read you a book report off of a cliff note. I'll tell you what, let's take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to finish up just talking real quickly about the players that uh, are gone and added. Um, I think we have a couple more to discuss here. And, yes, we'll touch on everybody's favorite subject, the lockout. All right, and we are back to the Pirates fan forum, and you know we have a few more players we have to touch on because this is such a busy week. And one of the one of the first guys I wanted to touch on was I was a little surprised they cut Colin Moran, and I know that they signed Yoshi Tisuga, so I guess it's kind of a wash. Makes me feel like Ben Sherrington either doesn't really think the DH is coming, or didn't think Colin Moran was good enough to be a DH, even if it did. Which I can kind of buy because I, I've talked about this before, Doug. This guy's slower than Moses in January. It it, it it wasn't a guarantee he'd score on a double from second. So I, I felt like he was a clogger, like in the middle of the lineup, and and maybe getting that out of there and introducing a little more speed with some of the youth they have, maybe is a better option for for that position, you know. Maybe even somebody like a Rodolfo Castro could fill that role. He's got the good power, and maybe he doesn't have a position per se. It's somebody that could actually sit in there and not kill you. Um, It's a good opportunity to improve something if we think Yoshi can handle first base, right? So, how do you feel about that? Is that an even swap? Or, I mean, he's certainly not going to confuse you for scoop over there. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm glad we brought Yoshi back. Uh, your, your buddy Craig there depresses me. <laughs> Tells he, he, <laughs> it. You know, we, he hasn't been able to catch up to the fastball, but you know maybe he figured something out there at the, the end of the season. Um, he'll get enough at bats against guys that don't throw 98. That that he should be able to to produce some. Um, I, I sort of think that Shaver will end up playing first base, and <clears throat> Yoshi will be the DH if they do in fact bring the DH in. Um, and to me, that's just more of Sherrington put his imprint on the team. Uh, Colin Murray wasn't his guy. Makes sense. Chavis, Chavis is his guy. And, and, you know, how much, you know, like Colin Murray had eight home runs, 10 home runs last year. Uh, you know, yeah. Chavis could do that easy enough. Um, I don't see it being a big deal, but I, I mean, I was surprised. And, you know, my first thought was like yours was like, maybe he doesn't think there's going to be a DH, but, uh, um again he's got he's got a lot of bodies and he's got to get him at bats. they all can't play second base so yeah. uh, I as I, he, as I thought
0: finished. about it more Doug I think I, I kind of came around to just thinking maybe he just didn't think Colin Rand was good enough and
1: right. and
0: in a way that's kind of refreshing because if you think about it Neil Huntington never would have let go of a guy with two years of control left like yeah. like that he would he would have yep. held on to the bitter end trying to make sure that he got something for him right. but Craig Craig always talks to me, Jim, about Yoshi. I, he's really not a fan of this signing, and I got to be honest, he, he's like an earworm. He gets in there a little bit, and like I, I just I can't I can't shake it. Like because he makes a lot of sense the way he talked about it. Yeah, when Yoshi came in late in the season, and he did really really well when he first came in because inexplicably everyone we faced was throwing him off speed stuff, and he was hammering it, just hammering it, and. All of a sudden, we start playing the Reds, and the Reds are like, hey, wait a minute. we got to throw this guy fastballs. That's that's the book on this guy. He can't hit fastballs. And, and, And they threw him fastballs. They picked the wrong guy to throw him fastballs, so he's plugging those out. But the second time we played the Reds, they caught on to him, and they pitched him, and they knew what they were doing, and he could not hit him. So... I wonder if more exposure might not be a good thing for Yoshi. But at the same time, I kind of feel like at his worst, he's at least Colin Moran, right?
2: Uh, At the plate. Maybe let's touch on Moran for a quick second before we do I feel like we need some like
0: well, easy to catch. So go ahead. <laughs>
2: I feel like we need some in, in memoriam music playing here for uh, some of these guys we're we're do, losing do, along do, the way. Do, do. <laughs> right, right. So uh, if you've ever seen the walking dead at the end of every show, they used to recap every zombie kill at the end of it and wave goodbye to them. So this is a, uh, uh, this is a. He was kind of a shambler though, so it's very appropriate if you think about it. Moved at the same speed, <laughs> you know. So I wish he no,
0: swung Lucille a little bit better, but okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Let's look at it. Um, four seasons of Colin Moran. OPS of seven forty seven, seven fifty one, seven ninety seven then last year 724. I think, um, most home runs hit in season was 13 and that was in 2019 and he needed 503 plate appearances for those 13 home runs. Right. So, you know, I I think there's, there's more than enough evidence to just show sometimes guys are what they are. And, um, that pedigree never really showed up. Um, I will give him credit. He played a pretty decent first base, I think. Putting yeah. Yoshi, <laughs> I think putting Yoshi over there is uh, maybe a clown car show waiting to happen, but we'll see how spring training goes and maybe maybe he can pick it up. I you know that position's something that I like to pay a lot of attention to. He already so, made
0: he already showed he can make the throws to second, which, you know, as we've seen here in Pittsburgh time and again is not <laughs> a given. Right. So about ten
1: years when no one can make that throw.
0: Absolutely. I mean, but here we are again, we're, you know, we're right back to first base as a question mark. Right. And I think, I think as we wrap up the player portion of our discussion today, that the thing I really wanted to kind of get back around to is he's taken years away. Okay. Colin Moran was here for a couple more years if they just rode out the arbitration train, And uh, Jacob Stallings was here for a few more years if they just rode out the arbitration train. Easily bridges to whoever's next coming up from the minors, right? Now we're sitting on two guys that are on one-year contracts, Yoshi Tosugo and Roberto Perez. Neither of them are really going to be bridges to any players because the catching is too far away and – I suppose Mason Martin could be ready next year, but they thought so highly of him they didn't even protect him this year. So let's just let's just kind of get that out of our head a little bit, right? Um, I guess I like what what Ben Charrington's done overall here, and I do I do understand the need to continue to acquire arms. I think that they could have spent a little bit of money to acquire some arms, as opposed to doing it this way and saved themselves that bridge that they already had in-house. I'm a little concerned about it because there are two positions that they're not ready to replace, and there are two positions that they went ahead and tried to replace right away. Uh, To me, that that was a little short-sighted. What do you think, Jim?
2: Meaning uh, you're talking first base and And catcher. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we... It always comes back to money, doesn't it? Sometimes I hate to say it. Um, For whatever reason, they've just decided that they're not going to incorporate that aspect into it. And, um, you know, fairly, that should receive some criticism because Gary, you just touched on it. It doesn't have to be that way. The rebuild does not have to be that way. Um, So, Look, maybe they've got some designs down the road of some of these position players, and that they can play other positions. Then, you know, um, you talk about Henry Davis. Maybe they don't want to keep him behind the plate long term. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there because I think you have to start throwing things out there because, like you said, there's a bit of a gap and no real replacement plan. So they'll. They're, they're going to end up getting another high pick in next year's draft. And maybe Sherrington can work some magic again with some of the things he was able to do last year. But eventually you've got to get guys that are major league ready and ready yep. to perform. And they're certainly not there.
0: No, I totally agree with that. And I think, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to touch now on the lockout because – It's kind of hard to have a a baseball show and not talk about the elephant in the room a little bit. We've talked about the the CBA a lot of times on this show, Jim. We probably bring it up every episode, but it's finally here. I mean, it's happening now. Um, I thought it was funny that people were talking about it like it was some surprise boogeyman jumping out of the closet the other day. It's more like standing in Iceland and worrying that a glacier is going to hit you. than than anything we knew it's been coming for a year and a half now it's it's not a surprise it it was coming all along it was always going to be a lockout because if it wasn't it was going to be an embarrassing strike so it's definitely was coming here it is we can hope they fix the game but man it's nothing to fear it's just nothing to fear i see people losing their minds and i i talked about this uh, with you guys off the air a little bit but I think we've had about eight shutdowns of either a lockdown or a strike. The game comes back. We only really lost one major portion of baseball, and that was in 94. And, you know, Doug, as you said earlier, the the owners didn't get what they wanted out of that, right? Right. I mean, that's, that's the problem.
1: I'm not afraid of missing games. We, we, we missed almost all of 2020. Um, but what I'm afraid yeah. of is missing a bunch of games and coming back to the same circumstance. That, you know, Max Scherzer will make more than our entire roster. And, you know, we're not, not going to make any progress. Anything that's going to make things a little more competitive. And, you know, the Pirates are the wrong team to, to, to lead that charge, right? I mean, we need... Oh yeah, it's Tampa Bay and Oakland. Tampa Bay and Oakland are the ones that need to, Milwaukee, um, because at least they're trying. They, 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 you know, they're, they're and they're signing guys. They're doing different stuff. Miami. Um, so, you know, I hope that they can inspire. The, you know, the, the larger markets and the things that Steinbrenner said sounded good. Um, you know, Manfred actually said the word salary cap. So. You know, so you know, hopefully they, they, they come back with something. They're not going to get everything. It's not you know it's not going to be the best deal, but they've got to get something. They, they've got to get something that that makes things a little more even. I, I don't I don't care if the pirates, uh, you know, they're never going to spend two hundred million on the payroll, but eighty would be nice. Right? <laughs> eighty gives us a you know I, I'm not I'm not expecting this huge watershed moment. Just a little help. <laughs> Mar- Marginal
0: I mean, improvement is what you're saying. I I completely agree with you there. I think that's that's an expectation we can manage. But but Jim, when you look at the at the CBA, you see people online they're they're losing their minds. I I already watched people have all out brawls today on on social media about billionaires yeah. versus millionaires. And what I really love, what I really love more than anything else, and this is. This is the uh, the untrained psychotherapist in me. I absolutely love watching this on social media, and you and I, you and I, love getting into this in our in our uh, text messages, Jim, stuff like this. I love watching people completely conflict themselves politically by by jumping on a wrong track with this CBA negotiation because they want rich people to pay for everything. And yet they can't, they can't wrap their head around how, what they're saying about the CBA is the exact opposite of what they've been preaching for, for months and months. I love it. I absolutely love it.
2: It's funny how that works, huh?
0: It really is. I love it so much though. Um, it's not really billionaires versus millionaires. It's and it, as I always say, it's it's really four sides involved here. There's the small markets, the big markets, the regular players, and the superstar players. And when when they all when all their goals align, I think we'll see some some good things. But well, they, like Doug said, if they don't come back with any changes, what was this all about, right? And it's and it's the reason why
2: they wasted no time instituting the lockout today so quickly. They're trying to give as much time as possible. So as little bit of time is missed when it really starts to matter, it's the only way things get done is when you start putting firm deadlines on things and, you know, trying to get something done. So um, it sounds bad, Uh, if we're two months down the road and we're still having the same exact conversation, well, yeah, that, that's a little different, but just judging from what I'm seeing and the common sense behind it, I don't think either of these two sides want to miss any games and they don't want to miss any revenue. They don't want to miss any earnings. I, I just don't think they, they want to. So um we've we've all been through the 94 season I know a lot of people that are younger may not have been or that may not be old enough to remember it and um yeah so look it's early they've got time the rhetoric is going to be off the charts it already started today and um there'll be very much some ups and downs there'll be some sometimes where I'm going to get really irritated by some of the stuff I'm reading, but
0: uh, (laughs) I hope it's stuff I'm writing that you're, that you're irritated (laughs) by. I will, I will say I've
2: just been a little bit surprised on the player side of things, just kind of a little bit of the disregard for the, for some of the things, the health of the game and who's getting what and when it surprised me a little, but Hey,
0: the only thing Money. I've been taken by surprise really so far was the players um, wanting less revenue sharing. That didn't really make any sense to me at all. What? Why, first of all, why would they care? Like, why would they care about that at all? That makes yeah. no sense whatsoever why they would feel that way. And, uh, I mean, I, I guess the... the the theory would be like, well, if, if the Dodgers and Yankees aren't paying revenue sharing, well, they'll be able to give us more money, right? So, that, I mean, to me, that's almost as good as an admission that you think there's only a few teams that can really afford to do this. So <laughs> let's just leave it as it is, right? Let's never try to fix it. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, that's fine to a point, but they can't all play for the Dodgers and Yankees. <laughs> you know, that that helps. Four or five guys each year, maybe gets a a, a better contract, you know, for each team. But you know, the Yankees have to play Kansas City. They have to play Baltimore, and and don't they need players too? And you know, if they're if they're getting everybody on minimum contracts, that that doesn't help the players. That helps, you know. Like I said, that helps It's great for Garrett Cole and Zach Scherzer or Max Scherzer, but it's it's not it's not great for Jacob Stallings and uh, you know Kevin Newman.
2: Right. But see, here's something interesting, and we, I, we don't want to get too much in the weeds about it, but uh, I, I read something, and this is the mentality of the players, um, is that they believe that rising waters raise all boats. In other words, and I don't know if I said that term right, but that okay great you'll pay all those guys there and those big markets and that will affect the next level of players and um, raise their salaries in regard to it and they're just not going to see things any other way so that is literally how they view it and um, that's tough to uh, break through that line of thinking so we'll see but that's legitimately that clicked with me today when I read that.
0: And I'll also say it's a lockout this time, which as opposed to a strike, which is means the owners are really the ones controlling this. And they should be because they're the ones that are trying to get big changes to take place. But the last time that they really grew a pair and tried to go for a cap back in 94, the government stepped in the way and stopped them and sent them back to the old CBA and put them back to work, both sides. So I guess what I would like to see this time is if if the owners step up, I think there's precedent from other leagues that, that this is not wrong to pursue something like that. So if they do decide these players are being really, really insane, let's just go for it. I don't want anybody getting in the way. Get the cap done. (laughs) I think the government probably will stay out of it this time. I do believe that's, that's a lesson learned there. I don't, I don't see the same Avenue shutting it down this time. I also don't see the players, the owners having the same gut they had last time. So um, I'm expecting minimal changes, just like uh, Doug said. And I think that's about the best we can hope for. Um, We'll see what happens, but Baseball's out for a while, and the biggest question we keep getting, Jim, is how are we going to continue to do this show?
2: Ah, easy. It's super it's easy. easy, right?
0: I mean, this team's been around since the eighteen hundreds. There's topics galore. I could probably spend an entire show just talking about Willie Stargell if I want to. Sure, I didn't see him, but some- <laughs> <laughs> I can always have somebody like Doug on who did, and then yeah, we'll talk and talk and talk. wow there you go so uh jim any parting shots from you today sir no i would just
2: uh, encourage people to um you know take this thing one day at a time let's see where it ends up um like i said there's going to be some ups and downs some things that are going to get us all riled up and it'll make uh social media very interesting Um, but uh, they've got two, three months to get it all hammered out. And let's just hope, as Pirate fans, anything comes of it that benefits the Pirates, you have to take as a win, because um, I don't know that uh, we can sit here and just uh, wish
0: for the stars. I totally agree. How about you, Mr. Doug?
1: Long-suffering fan you are. Long-suffering, that's right, yeah. uh, uh, It's been a while. But uh, I still have hope. I, I I I agree with Jim. I don't think the owners or the players want to miss too much time. So deadlines make deals. Hopefully they'll get something done. Hopefully there'll be some, as you said, marginal improvement that will fire baseball back in the spring. And uh, you know we'll have five or six guys break through. <laughs> so.
0: If not, I'm going to be watching an awful lot of minor league baseball, and I'm really excited about that because I do enjoy that as well. Um, my parting shot really would be: Don't be afraid, everybody. Honestly, God, and it's going to start looking a lot worse before it looks better. In fact, I would imagine sometime in in January, it's going to look like um, they're about to um, completely destroy the game and and set everything back, and we're going to have scab players and all. You know, don't worry about it. Nobody wants to lose baseball. Neither do the people that are making millions and millions of dollars by putting on games they want to make money too. The players know they can't go to any other league in the world and make the kind of money they're making. The owners know that if they don't allow the players to make money, then they can't make any money. These aren't stupid people. They didn't make money or become successful athletes because they're idiots. They'll figure things out. They'll come together. And just like in daily life and social media, there are extremes on both sides. I highly encourage you to ignore them and stick (laughs) to what is coming, which is baseball at some point. And we're going to be here the whole time because we don't really care. And we're probably going to make fun of both of them equally because we dislike both of them equally at times. So (laughs) I think it's going to be a lot of fun, actually. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, maybe yeah, we'll yeah, do we're, some fun yeah, top their, tens. Right? <laughs> right. I yeah, I'm here
1: Netting. Are you kidding
0: me? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, hey, it was a good episode, everybody, and I really appreciate the time. Um, listen to all the shows on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. They're all good, um, especially podcasts on Fifth. I want to give a special shout out to this week. I really, really think that show has matured. And they, they had a, a killer show yesterday. I, check it out if you get an opportunity. Um, they had the Wheeling head coach on. I really, really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, it was a good, good 45 minutes of, of hockey talk. So if you really like that and a different perspective on hockey that's not just X's and O's, I highly recommend you check it out. Good stuff. Um, without further ado, I'd say let's toss it over to our good buddy Ben. Yes,